Hi, everybody. Thank you so much to, for tuning into today's episode of Comedians Exposed, the podcast where I, Deanna Kobe, get to interview fellow comedians about comedy and vulnerability. Today's guest is host of the seasonal podcast, The Goddamn Jets. He lives on the East Coast. Also was in the West Coast for a while, so his comedy is across the country. We're so happy to welcome the hilarious Max Antonucci. Welcome, Max. Thank you for having me, Deanna. Also, let me just update you. I quit the show. I quit the Jet Show. You did? Oh, <laughs> yeah, but that's still fun. available to listen to, aren't you? Of course, you could still listen to me talk. Try to make a podcast funny about the Jets, which is oh. very hard to do. The, the guy, I just like the title saying it. The yeah. goddamn Jets. <laughs> yeah, it's uh that team with that team that title writes itself. You know, they're yeah. just always. I, I was actually surprised that there's actually someone that willingly admitted to being a Jets fan. Um, so <laughs> I think that alone was needing to be mentioned. Huh? It is very difficult to tell people that because you know immediately you're just about to get shit on by somebody else <laughs> who's a fan of a more successful team. So unless you're like saying it to a Jaguars or Browns fan, mm-hmm. no one cares. They'll just be like, oh, that really sucks. <laughs> hey, but you're not a bandwagon guy. So no. you know, yeah, tried and true. Max is a loyal, loyal, loyal guy, apparently. So weird. absolutely. <laughs> it's so good that you could be here today. Um, first and foremost, can you do me a favor and just tell everybody who listens where they could find you on social media where you're active? Sure. So I don't really use Twitter at all, but you can follow me uh, on Instagram at Max Antonucci, my name. Uh, And then I have a website that I never update. I never put my dates on there uh, because I'm lazy. But that is maxisyourfriend.com. Oh, okay. Very good. Well, first, you said you're lazy, Max. Okay. Um, I'm going to defend you here because particularly like doing this kind of stuff when you're doing comedy it's not just writing jokes you have this other all this other avenues that you could pursue so it's like it becomes kind of overwhelming don't you think I don't think it's necessarily lazy I think it's just like you need space and time to do that right yeah and like updating yeah and like updating a site is not like your top priority when your other priorities are like okay uh performing the jokes writing the jokes going out to shows Mm -hmm. or whatever it is like all those things are top priority and then every now and then you're just like i don't feel like updating my website even though realistically it would take me two minutes to add in whatever show i'm doing and all the details, but sometimes it just seems like such a daunting task that you're just like, I don't feel like doing that. Oh, so why does it feel so daunting? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just started therapy, so maybe I'll ask her that on Tuesday <laughs> at 9 a.m. Hey, why am I unable to update my website? <laughs> well, okay, so obviously, uh, Max, the whole podcast is about comedy and vulnerability. Um, it started because I personally am very uncomfortable doing comedy. You know, it's took it's scary. I hate it kind of, but I love it. You know, it's like it really leaves you just kind of like, hey, this is me, everyone. And that's a scary place to be. But it's also a beautiful place to be. But again, that's my experience. But I like talking with other comedians about whether or not my experience resonates or it's completely different. So what would you say for yourself? 
Um, I mean, when I first started out, for sure, it was like more difficult being up there. But now it's like I have more of a hard time uh, in real life, like opening up or being vulnerable than I do on stage. Like in my relationships and things like that, I just have a hard time. Uh, I make everything a joke or I have a hard time being vulnerable or open or giving anyone the power to like really like break my heart or something yeah. uh, that to me is like the hardest thing as opposed to like going up on stage and saying like your deepest darkest thoughts or whatever like that doesn't bother me at all because you could have been like oh i'm just kidding it's just jokes even though if you're saying something true about you know heartbreak or any sort of pain or yeah. depression you could just be like oh it's just jokes and you have that out you know Whereas if you're having a conversation with someone in real life mm -hmm. and you say, oh yeah, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling lonely. Like that's like a- That becomes, it seems like it's almost like too unbearable because again, you need an out then by saying, oh, it's just jokes. Yeah. You know, but in reality, everyone knows it's not really just jokes. Like that's where I feel like comedy can be so, especially with what's going on right now with people making jokes and people are like, you're canceled, don't say that. It's like, there's a lot going on because to some level there's, I think always truth. But I want to ask you, so what is vulnerability specifically for you? Um, in what sense? Anything, anything, comedy, it could be in life. It could be like any, when you hear that word, when I'm like, Max Antonucci is vulnerable when... Well, I mean, it depends. So, I mean, uh, to break the fourth wall, you and I did a show a few months ago when I was very depressed and sad and I had a lot of things going on in my life. And I opened up to you about some some things that were happening in my life. And that was a little more tolerable to do than with most people. Did you feel vulnerable like when we were talking? For sure, of course, talking oh. about things that are well, one, I always uh, feel guilty talking about anything that's going on in my life because it's like, oh, why am I bringing someone down with my problems or something? Because oh. <laughs> you don't want to be associated with being a buzzkill. Because <laughs> I've been around people who are just always miserable or always complaining. And, you know, the, the idea of hanging out with them or something, you get like tired immediately just thinking about it. You're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to see this person because then I have to hear all their problems and I got my own things going on. So I try not to do it too much. Mm -hmm. But then I, I have a lot of close friends that I'm friends with and I'll talk about these things uh, with. But yeah. I also will joke about it too. So what about that when we were talking? Because you said, because I'm trying to think about like your definition of vulnerability. Like what did you think when you were talking to me and it was uncomfortable for you? Like what was what were you afraid of would potentially happen? The fact that you were burdening with your problems, that guilt would be too overwhelming. Was that what it was? Uh, or was yeah. Something, like, yeah, just like shameful. Yeah. Just talking about anything just makes me uncomfortable. Like sometimes it's yeah. like, if I'm talking about like, cause I was going through some issues, my father had just had a quadruple bypass and he was like depressed with that. And then I had just got my heart broken. There was a whole bunch of things going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I had a hard time uh, talking about that stuff. But but you're a kind person. And I was like, oh, I could talk to Deanna about these things. Uh -oh, thank you so, so much, Max. No, um, I appreciate that. But what about for your comedy, too? Like, do you utilize comedy then? Like, 
for when you're going through all of this kind of hard stuff? In a sense, yeah, because you write jokes about that stuff. So, like, you know, you go through some breakup or heartache or any sort of pain, you turn it into a joke because then you're like, you know, they'll say you're taking power of the situation or whatever, taking control of the situation. Mm -hmm. But I don't do it as like, oh, this is me taking it. It's just like, oh, this will just be funny and I could talk about it. So it's I'm not doing it as a like, oh, comedy is my therapy or anything like that. I'm just trying to get the laughs and then that makes me feel better. So it's like the uh -huh. laughs that make the me laughs feel better. Make you, what about the laughs in particular make you feel better? What do you, is there a need that's getting fulfilled? Of course, yeah, what approval. Huh? The approval of others. That's like the, the isn't that why we all do this? <laughs> I need these strangers to approve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what's, I mean, what's better than like doing a show, you know, you have a good set, you get off stage and people are coming up to you and they're like, oh, you were really funny. Like, that's the best feeling. You're like, oh, wow, this is great. It's so interesting to me, though, that you chose the word approval. Like, I find that to be so interesting. Because, um, again, like people coming off to you, off, you know, coming up to you after you saying that you did great. There's a lot going on there, you know. So I feel like, again, like approval is um, it's just an interesting choice of word. And it is it's like it is a nice feeling to feel um especially thinking about the current climate that we're living in. Like I keep talking about with comedians about this whole idea of cancel culture. And I really feel like we're throwing a lot of shame around and it's like the power of wanting to be approved. And it's like how people are, we're wielding with social media, the way we don't approve of you. Yeah. It's like, what is that doing to our, you know, our well being? <laughs> yeah. And I think like for the most part, uh, I don't, I think it's like a very small percentage of people who have ever gotten offended by jokes or anything like that, but they're always the ones who want to talk about it or like go on social media or leave a, you know, a one star review at a comedy club because they were offended by a joke. Like it, it, it's a very small percentage of people who are really like that. And to me, it's just so bizarre. I mean, I've never, gotten upset about it even like th people have said some really terrible things to me joking around you know where they talk about you know whatever the worst things are uh, -huh. uh and, like you know joking about your dead dog or you know your, whatever is happening you know if your friends make fun you don't get really upset at all so i i, I don't understand but and you, also the friends like what about random stranger like someone you had no relationship with whatsoever I don't think I would get offended like in a comedy club. Like if I were in a comedy club and I'm in the audience and someone was making fun of me, unless it was like someone was really just at it, like a comedian on stage, just like, like if you look at a, a Kramer situation, that one you understand. Cause you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> like out of nowhere, like it's so bizarre. And you're like, I don't understand like how you would make that funny or how it would be funny in someone's mind to just start going off on a, a racist rant like that. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like I understand getting upset about that, but when someone's clearly making a joke or something, I just don't get wanting to cancel anybody. I don't, I, well, I don't know. Um, 
I, cause I have been talking to, I don't know if cancel culture is real. I don't really kind of buy into it, but I do believe in the online shaming is real. Like we're sure. really good at like shaming the shit out of each other, you know? So that's why I think I was like kind of fixated on you saying like, you know, I like the approval of it, you know, because I feel like it's really important. That's what I love about like comedy is like, it allows for us to talk about the complexities of humanity in like kind of a way that makes things palatable, but you know, and it is supposed to be jokes. Like every single person that goes on stage, their intention is to be funny. You know, like that's yeah. the end game. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's, and it, you know, it was interesting too, cause you said that um, a small percentage of people you feel like go to comedy shows and get triggered. And I'm thinking about like my experiences and I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I've walked quite a few people with, you know, like higher than a smaller percentage. Like when I'm thinking <laughs> about overall <laughs> with some of my material, you know, and I think, um, especially because certain topics are triggering and stuff, but why do you think for audience members, like if they're going to a comedy show and they're getting so triggered that they're leaving or writing about it or Yelp reviewing, what do you think that's about? Uh, probably some sort of unhappiness in their own life where they're like, oh, I could take this out on someone else, you know, like they could have some stuff going on at home or they could be going through a divorce or something like that. And now they're just like, one thing sets them off and they're like, this is where I'm getting out my aggression. And they go on Twitter or they leave a review. Uh, but I mean, that's just, you, you see it in every business, of course, with when it comes to like stand up or celebrities, people are quicker to not because they want to knock someone down because when you see someone who's like super successful there's like a weird thing where people some people just want to like take them down because they feel bad about themselves or why they are not mm -hmm. in that situation or more successful and it's kind of just like knocking someone down a peg mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's uh, kind of like a cliche but when they say you live long enough to like become the villain when you have that sort of fame or power and then suddenly people turn on you they love to see the person come up oh and then watch them fall and then watch yeah. them fall so That's it's almost yeah yeah and i mean it goes back I, if you look back on history there was always things like public beheadings and things like that and executions public executions for trivial like stupid shit mm -hmm. you know and people would gather and watch it. And now that's what it is today is people going on Twitter or watching yeah. someone, someone's life get destroyed for a joke, or maybe they have the wrong political beliefs, which is know. why I think though it does. You're speaking volumes though, to the testament of the evolution of humanity, because the fact that we, if I had to choose between crucifixion or, you know, like getting ripped up, dragged on Twitter, I don't, what do you think would be worse? I, I'd rather have my head cut off <laughs> than know what people really think about me. <laughs> That's like the scariest thing. Like, can you imagine if you could read people's minds and have like know what? Because I have a real problem with people not liking me. Like, if someone doesn't like me or they don't, or or, or I don't know. I'm like I kind of like I'm averse to real conflict. Like, I could go back and forth with someone in an audience. Like if I feel they're being rude or they're being said, like I have no problem shutting them down or being mean to them. Yeah. And I don't care what they feel after that. But most cases it's like, I, I want people to like me and I, I don't like people being mad at me and, or like for anything. For anything at all. 
Yeah, for I mean, unless I truly believe I didn't do anything wrong, and then I'm like, all right, I don't. Okay, care. so if someone, yeah, but here's the thing: like to recognize, I feel like there's conflict resolution, right? That you know is coming into that. Does that play out like with comedy for you? Like when you're on stage and you see someone and you could feel, and they're the way they're looking at you, you're like, this person doesn't like me. Do you fixate on that person, or do you fixate on the people who? Oh, okay. Oh Not yeah, who are like laughing and like cheering you on. No, it's the it's always the one person who's not smiling or laughing. And you're like, I got to get them. I got to that. Your eyes just will always go back to that person. And they're like, are you are you laughing yet? Are you laughing yet? And in your mind, you're just and everyone else could be you could have 99 people or 100 people in the room and 99 of them are laughing, having a great time. And there's one person in the front row who is yeah. just not having a good time and you're just trying to get them. And, you know, it, it, that, it's that I, tank your set because I feel like I'm like on that. I'm trying to flip myself. I'm trying to not look at those people because I am so they get in my head so badly. And it literally like I'll just start digging myself in this awful, awful hole. And it's like the power that yield over me. It's very frustrating. Yeah, but sometimes that could be fun. <laughs> Like to go to go into it like <clears throat> I did a show a few weeks ago. I won't say where or who was on it, uh, but the host went up, had a, you know, like a rough set for some reason. He he was fine, but he it was like late at night and the whole crowd was just not having it. They were vocal about it and they were just like, we don't like you. And then the next comic like the he brought up the first comic for the night and they had a tough time. And they were trying to like win them over with crowd work or something. And people are just being so rude, like in the audience. Yeah. And then I, at that point I was going up next. I was just like, okay, well, you feel like you're like walking to your execution. You know, like you're, you're walking the plank cause you're about to go up there. So I just addressed it. And then I just did material and didn't interact with them at all. And they laughed and they had a good time. Yeah. And then afterwards, like people in the front row who were like right up against the stage were turning around to me and like clapping like good, you know, and it was uncomfortable for me because they're like, he was funny Do you guys. And I was just like, can you not do that? Like that one that makes me feel uncomfortable. And I'm not saying this is like a, a like a humble brag or anything like that. It, it, it made me uncomfortable, but it's you kind of got to know what you're going into. So yeah. when I see someone, like if I see the first comic or two comics are having a rough time, I immediately, I'm just like, fuck this. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Mm -hmm. And the stakes are so low. It doesn't matter Yeah. because it's like, if you're the only person who bombs on a show and everyone else is just having a great set, it's the worst feeling ever. And you're like, I'm awful. I'm the worst comedian to ever go on a stage. I shouldn't yeah. even be doing this. But when everyone else is bombing, you kind of just, you're like, oh, the stakes are so low. It doesn't matter. And then I feel like too, there's a camaraderie in like the bomb, like the communal bomb when everybody's bombing, sure. you're like, okay. Like, yeah, but that is a terrible feeling. Oh my God, to be the only comic that bombs on a show that everyone does well on that's how yeah. how do you be how do you get back up like what do you do when that happens to get back up the next day like do you have a conversation or is it just like oh well no big deal uh i think it should make you better when those things happen i mean you know now 
I've been doing it long enough to know like, okay, that's just, you're always going to feel in the moment or right after you're going to be like, I'm the fucking worst. I'm a piece of shit. I'm not good at this. But then, you know, the next day you think about it and you're like, eh, it was just an off night. These things happen to everybody, no matter who you are, you're going to have yeah. a rough set. You're going to bomb. And then the most important thing is to just like get up immediately after. Cause when I started stand up, the first time I did it, I was like 20 mm -hmm. and I'd, I'd, done it once i had a good set the first time i ever did stand up the second time i bombed so hard i didn't do it for two years <laughs> so i really started doing stand-up like really started uh when i was 23 yeah like in january 2012 that's like when i count myself as starting even though i had done it a few times previously but i don't count those times yeah no i understand it's always everybody has their origin stories of when they're Actually, yeah. I took like multiple comedy classes before oh, really? I went to an open fucking mic. <laughs> it was yeah. like years, like years went by. So it took takes everybody. It just for me, it was all about getting over the fear of public scrutiny. Like if there's something very terrible about standing in front of a room full of people and having them look at you. What about I wanted to ask you, though, um, how do you especially to like because you do bomb everybody bombs. Um, one thing too, with comedy, it's like, sometimes, you know, life gets in the way and is there something like, again, when you know, you have a show and you had to say a lot of shit going on, does that impact your performance? Do you feel like, like your feelings prior to you getting on stage have an influence of how you're going to be on stage? No, for me, I feel like when, sh when things are really bad, uh, like in my life or I have a lot going on, stand up is the only thing that's going good. So it's like getting up there, it'll make you feel better for a couple hours. And then, you know, you go home and it's late at night or, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, I still have all these problems, but at least you had the good set, you know? So I've never had it to where, uh, if things were going wrong uh, in my personal life or I was going into a show just not feeling great. Yeah. I usually come out feeling better, even if it's for a few fleeting moments. Is there anything that you do to get in the mood to do comedy, like preparation? Um, I used to meditate beforehand. So like before a show, I would try to meditate at some point before I went to the place or uh, maybe in my car, if it was somewhere I had to drive to, I would meditate in my car for 10 minutes. And that would usually get me kind of like calm. Uh, also, I load up on nicotine all the time right before I go on stage. I'm, now I have this jewel. So I'm like more addicted to nicotine than ever. Oh, no. <laughs> so I just like hit that a bunch and then I go up. And, and nicotine is a hell of a buzz. <laughs> it, yeah, it gets me. It feels like it gets me like firing off on all cylinders and I'm sharper. But that's all just psychological. I don't think it really does make me sharper or anything like that. So met, you don't do you meditate anymore of you? Uh, I've kind of fallen off a little mm -hmm. bit the past few months, but it's I did hard. just start. Self-care is hard. 
Yeah, uh, I've recently went on medication. I recently went on Zoloft, which has been working great, I think, because now I've been going to the gym and stuff a few times a week. Yeah. Oh, which great. Is, which so is that's good. definitely huge, right? That's a huge, especially because physical activity, I feel like helps. But when you're not feeling good to get yourself to that point of movement, it's like, you know, you're in a rock and a hard place. So yeah, it's the hardest thing ever sometimes to actually just get up and do some of these things, even if it's like, I mean, meditation, you're just sitting there with your own thoughts, but sometimes that's like the last thing it's, you want to do is right. And it's work and it's carving out time to like, you know, like when you don't feel well to take care of yourself is impossible. And it's super frustrating how hard the process is, is like finding a therapist. Like you shared how you're seeing a therapist, which is awesome. I, I am a huge fan of therapy. I think everybody should have a therapist, man, but it's hard. It's hard to find therapists. Yeah. So I, I put it off for the longest time because I always wanted to do therapy. Uh -huh. I tried once when I was 21 or 22 and the first thing they did was like, give me medication that I did not take. Like just after one counseling then, or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was like, oh, I don't want to see this therapist at all. And then you always hear people when you tell them, oh, I'm thinking about starting therapy. They're like, well, just so you know, the first therapist you meet is probably not going to be your therapist. You're going to have to go through a few of them before you find one that works and all this stuff. So I always kind of put it off. Same thing with medication. Cause yeah. you talk to anyone and they're like, Oh, you know, the first medication may not work. You have to try a bunch of different ones. And every time it's like six weeks, eight weeks, that's when you'll know. Yeah. So it's like, geez. So you're telling me if I'm feeling really depressed right now and medication may be the answer, I have to wait six more weeks, eight weeks to find out that maybe this doesn't work and then yeah. go through another six to eight weeks. So it's incredibly, uh, intimidating to have to do all that stuff but thankfully i you know the medication i went on works fine and the therapist that i found is great too that's she's, huge yeah she's awesome so it's like i lucked out yes on both of these fronts so it's like oh good finally like the things are working out <laughs> oh my gosh it's so it's so frustrating though to hear like yeah you have to luck out because it is there's a lot of goobers out there. And again, it's like, you need to interview your therapist and all. And again, it's like, if you don't feel good to begin with, it's a kind of overwhelming and impossible task. But, yeah. you know, also what I think too, it's like a the power of, even though it's like slow progress, it feels like initially, it's like once you get to where you're getting help and all of those pieces are in place, it opens up all this other Space and you feel so good so sure. it's like the hard work right in the moment precedes the bigger picture which makes me think of like the evolution of joke writing you have the idea you write the joke you got to perform it over and over and work through it but eventually when it comes out it's like oh but that shit you have to go through and those faces you have to see if people like disapproving yeah. of what you're trying to do that's the worst when you do a joke that you know is going to work eventually or it has worked before and you try it and you like switch something up slightly and it just doesn't land. And you're just like, I want you all to know that that is a good joke. It's going to be a good joke. And you guys are sitting through something special, but yeah. you don't know it. 
but obviously you're not going to say that to them because they'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you egomaniac? <laughs> no, but that, I, that's like, I feel like, again, for me, like the way you're talking about therapy and the whole experience is like, I find so many parallels with comedy and especially sure. too, like the topics. Cause I don't know. I, I wish I was like cool, you know, and you are cool. Oh no. Thanks Max. That's so not true though. Cause I want to like think about things that are just like lighthearted and fun, but I always write about these really uncomfortable things and then they're awful to write about. So what about for you? What are your topics? Oh my God. That are like, <laughs> I want to write about it, but it's like, no. Yeah. So I tend to uh, write a lot of dark stuff, Yeah. which so, and it, and it can be weird. Cause like last week I had, I had two spots, like one after the other at New York Comedy Club. So I had one at 820 and the other one was at 920 at the different location. So I'd like rush down to the East Village after. So the first set that I do, I was doing a lot of like darker material just about, you know, we're, you know, having strained relationships with my parents and things like that and all sorts of like dark stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and it went great. I had like an amazing set. I felt so good. And then I went down to the next show and I pretty much do the same jokes, you know, give or take adding, you know, one or two other jokes into the set. And it was just a weird vibe with everything that I was doing. I was like, oh, they're kind of not liking this. But then you're trying to like kind of get them back with like a little more lighthearted stuff. But it's kind of like you want to do these dark things because you want to make fun of them and make them feel funny because like i mean i love talking about death on stage i think it's a funny thing to do and i've always been like that because yeah. i have a you know a morbid curiosity about uh death or depression or what i kind of like though is the fact that it's like those are the guaranteed things of life so why yeah. aren't we joking about it you know what i mean like this stuff does happen and i feel like by not addressing it you know, it like makes things, there's another layer of mystery and, you know, it's like you're creating yeah. this weird paranoia by not talking about it and not being lighthearted about it. Yeah. So I've, I've recently been doing this joke where I talk about how my dad uh, was having a heart attack. So he called, uh, instead of calling an ambulance, he called me to call him an Uber <laughs> because he doesn't have good health insurance. <laughs> So I do this joke about just like how how I have to be like, you know, I love my dad, but I also have a five star rating. And I know if he dies in the back of the Uber, that's for sure a one star rating. So I do this joke and then, you know, it ultimately leads up to me saying that, like, oh, I miss my dad. He was a good guy, but I think I made the right choice, you know, by keeping my Uber account in good standing. Uh, and sometimes that one most of the times it'll hit and it goes well because people are like, oh, OK. Uh, but last week, uh, one of the shows I did, uh, people were just like, geez, what do you hate your dad? Like people were looking at me with like scowls. Oh my gosh. But I feel like this goes back to what we were talking about, like earlier about how like now this, like, again, a joke, just being a joke, like there's truth to it because again, it's like, you know, the truth to it is the fact that you have a five-star Uber rating. Like that's the yes. truth. And my but... dad actually called me to yes. call him an Uber <laughs> to bring him to the hospital. <laughs> And the thought that I had in my mind at one point was like, oh, my God, what if he died in the back of the Uber? And then I like a thought did come into my head where I was like, right. oh, man, I totally get a low rating for that. Because <laughs> like, 
I like talk to every Uber driver. I try to like, you know, be buddies with them just so they like that's, me. Yeah, that's impressive. You have a five star rating. My rating yeah. is shit. Is it? It's not. I don't. I don't. It's not five stars. I think it's like maybe like a four point nine one, which is oh, that's like, not bad. Is it? Right? No, I don't know. I, I just feel like what are you not giving me five? Like I. You get paid in the money. I sit in your car. I've never peed or vomited or done anything in anyone's vehicle. To so your like, knowledge. Huh? To your knowledge. Well, you I might have been blacked out one night. I don't think I. Oh. Or it could All have right. been someone got in the car before you did that and you were the last fare of the night. Maybe. And then they're like, I must have been Deanna. May I don't like to talk to the Uber drivers, though. I some because it's like. Sometimes it's just like they get really the conversations you get from the Uber drivers is a lot of information. And it's like, wow, I yeah, don't know how to help you. <laughs> yeah. Before COVID, I always used to just get in the front seat and talk with them because I feel like I, I don't know. I've got weird things like I getting in the back seat of an Uber just seems like such a like elitist classist thing it is elitist and classist. yeah that's where we're living in this is our this is part of our world like that's what and we're I, moving towards globally man yeah and i'm just like you know i'm just like i'm not better than you so i'm getting in the passenger seat or and even though like it's so bizarre to think that way or it's silly because i've actually driven uber before when i was in between jobs at one point when i was in my mid 20s yeah and i never felt that way like why are you not sitting in the front with me i, I didn't care at all i knew that was the job yeah but me in my mind it's like i have to go the extra step to be, let them wait, know max is your friend max yeah. is the uber driver's friend you're everybody's yes. friend <laughs> there you go <laughs> i'm just trying to make people like me all the time what about you do you like are you happy all the time do you make yourself happy no not at all. I mean, I, I get better at it. I, yeah. I, since I've moved back from California, I mean, I was in California, I moved out there right before the pandemic mm -hmm. and they weren't doing stand up really at all throughout the pandemic, like not even outdoor shows. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So in that time, you know, I found happiness by hiking every week or going on these road trips, uh, you know, going out to parks and stuff and just having a good time and exploring. And that kind of kept me sane uh and you know you feel good because you're like i'm being active i'm getting outside i'm with nature but you come you know you come back here there isn't a whole lot of that there is some but there's not as much mm -hmm. so you know when i came back it, that was i was having a, a hard time with that yeah plus i was going through like some heartbreak for like five months so it was a difficult situation heartbreaks rough right but uh, kind of it'll good come out of it right every time crap happens there's something good that comes out of it for sure i mean whenever i go through stuff like that i feel like career-wise things get a lot better and i think it's because you start putting more effort into your career so you get like passed at a club or you get you know more you get booked on more shows it just feels like things and it's really because you're not devoting your energy into yeah. this waste land <laughs> of whatever it is <laughs> without speaking negatively about anyone but, <laughs> but without You're putting you your... in wasteland i hate you <laughs> no no i don't but it's uh you know without you know you're putting all this 
energy into this situation that is not good or is toxic. And then once you pull back from that and you start putting it into other areas, you kind of, you know, or you cut out toxic people from your life, then you're starting to kind of have more positivity around you and you're letting in more positive people, uh, mm-hmm. which you have to have the awareness uh, that, oh, this person, which it's easier said than done because you can have the awareness of like, oh, this person's toxic uh, and this isn't good, but you still keep them in your life because you feel bad or something or you, you feel, feel like you there's can... so many other emotions. You feel bad, you get something from it, you know, it's yeah. And especially too, like people are super complicated and I believe like everything is like a spectrum, like people are a spectrum. For like sure. they could have toxic qualities, but also good qualities. So it's like, I don't think anyone is a hundred percent toxic, you know, no. um, just like 85%, 80%. No, I'm just kidding. That could happen. I'm sure. Like, and there's some people that might be 85% toxic for you, but you know, a hundred percent healthy for me. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, you know, you just got to, uh, have the awareness, and make the right decisions. And sometimes it's harder to make those decisions, but does yeah. comedy help bring you awareness? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm hyper aware on a lot of things. I'll be like to, to a detriment. Our where... greatest strengths are also our lo- biggest weakness, right? Yeah. Hyper awareness is beautiful because it sounds like you're really in tune to others experiences, but then it also sounds frustrating. Cause then you're like, doing that to your own self all the time, which could probably be overwhelming, huh? For sure. And it's kind of like, you know, ignorance truly is bliss because if you just don't care about what anyone thinks about you or you just don't give a shit and you're just living a life of like, oh, I'm just going to have fun and not care about anything. That's yeah. such a, that's a beautiful thing. I wish I could be like that, but I <laughs> But then you're can't. also kind of the asshole as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, oh, this only person that matters is this guy. Of, like, oh. of course. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you got to, uh, I think it's important to be kind to everybody, especially doing stand up because you got to be kind to everyone because you don't know who's, I mean, unless a person is really just a piece of shit. Like you see some people, there's a few people in comedy that I've met who I would have no problem being mean to because they're terrible people. Mm-hmm. And I see the way they interact with younger comics or people who they think they're better than. And you see that and you're like, oh, you're a gross person. I think you should be give everyone the benefit of the doubt up front to them and not be rude. Yeah. And then then you think about how meta it is, because if that person is outwardly doing that, think about what they're inwardly doing. Like, I feel like behaviors, however, people perpetuate outwardly is what's happening within their internal existence. So you think they're they're doing the same thing to themselves? Yeah, hell yeah. And then you think about like, there's this quote, like Rumi says how the universe lives within us, right? So you think about if that person is behaving that outwardly, what kind of existence is inside their own head? Yeah, that's true. But sometimes you see these people and you're like, I feel like I know what's going on in their head and they think they're like the best person ever. Yeah. And that everyone else- you, like, You're compensating, I think. If you have to say things like verbally out loud- over and over again, like that means you're trying to negate the voices. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I just don't think like, you know, I feel, I, I try to approach people in a very sympathetic way when they're fucking annoying. It's like, oh. Yeah. 
Well, that's because you're a very kind person. And that's why I opened up to you outside of that secret weed dispensary location. <gasps> that place is terrible. Oh my God. That was, I had such a bad bomb there with this guy with dreadlocks. So little. I had a bad bomb there the last time I went there. Yeah. It was not good. It wasn't good. So, yeah. But Max, I want to say thank you so much for being able to sit down and talk with me today. Can you do me a favor again one more time? Tell everybody your Instagram. Sure. Your, plug your website. Uh, at Max Antonucci on Instagram and Twitter, but I never use Twitter. And then uh, maxisyourfriend.com for, I guess, dates if I ever get around to updating my website, which I just don't do. Do you have any dates coming up that you can plug now for us? Um, I'll be at New York Comedy Club uh, tonight at 12.55 in the evening. Oh, okay. So if this is going out today, uh, yeah, tonight I'll be doing a spot at 12.55. If not, you'll see me there at some point. Okay, New York Comedy Club for sure. New York Comedy Club and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, and then I'm going to Spain for two months. So if you're in Spain and you want to catch a comedy show, I'll be doing shows in Barcelona and Madrid. <laughs> Viva Max Antonucci! Woo! Oh. I love it. That's so awesome. Well, good for I'm you. Living, living a great life. Well, Absolutely. thank you so much, Max, for taking time to talk with me. Thanks for having me, Deanna. You're great. You're great, Max. This was super fun. <laughs> I had a great time.